Okay, uh, before we go bring uh, David in, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off first by reading the bios of both guys here tonight, today, wherever you may be. Uh, but first, give me a moment here. Okay, so, all right. Let me go ahead. Let's make sure and get out. Um, let me, no, no, give me a moment, folks. <laughs> Thank you all for your patience and not clicking off just yet because this is going to be a very exciting show. Okay, so let's get get out of that. All right, uh, welcome to Super Soldier Talk. I'm James Rink, and thank you all, listeners. Thank you for popping over here in this chat room. Um, I tried and tried and tried, and literally, I don't know. I think YouTube needs to work on this software a little bit better but in the meantime uh we got we are rolling and of course we got david here with us and david is an akashic reader healer telepath and able to do channel communications with non-terrestrial beings he currently resides in nova scotia and has been involved with programs his entire life or at least up to four years old and up he recalls being trained in trained in area 51 where he met peter the insider he also, and he's, he's been on my show before, and he talked about that in the last interview we did. He also remembers being in a facility that trained his shape-shifting abilities, in which I was also a participant of. And we, he, we went into that in the other video, and we're not going to go into that today, uh, so go check that other one out. He also recalls experiences of being a, a super soldier in Kruger and has done missions with zombies and vampires. So, uh, welcome. Oops. Uh, yeah, hold on. Okay, welcome David to the show. How you doing? Hey, I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me, James. Yeah, so I appreciate you coming on here. Now you uh, did a channel session with um, Alana and with uh, William Tompkins recently. Yeah, it was excellent. You did an excellent job. Um, so I really, yeah, I, I posted that on Super Soldier Talk. I encourage listeners to check that out as well. So. Um, we're going to do like our own follow-up here with um, Dr. Michael Wolf because um, Dr. Mm-hmm. Michael Wolf actually, he worked for uh, MJ-12, and uh, he created a super soldier called Joe. But um, I'm going to go into Joe in just a bit. Uh, first of all, let's uh, do um, – let me read out uh, Dr. Michael Wolf's bio. Dr. Michael Wolf is a deceased scientist, biologist, and physicist who has worked for nearly 20 years – on the black projects initiated by NASA, U.S. Air Force, Navy, NSA, Pentagon, and DOD. Dr. Michael Wolf worked at Area 51, S-4, Wrights-Patterson Air Force Base, and the Foreign Technology Division. That's where they took all the Roswell stuff. Um, Indian Springs and Dulce. I don't know much about Indian Springs, but we may, I don't think we, we're probably not even have time to go into all this stuff, but We'll do, we'll do as much as we can here. Where for five years he met with extraterrestrial beings every day and shared living quarters with them. He served as a scientific consultant for the American president and NSC, which is the National Security Council, and eat on ET-related matters. And he was director of AlphaCom, a team within Majestic 12, which was in charge of ultra-secret military black pro- projects. 
he had he has an MD, a neurology, a PhD in theoretical physics, a BS in biogenetics, a JD in international law, and a doctorate in computer sciences. AlphaCom's wow, mission was to, to reestablish relations with these extraterrestrial biological entities, commonly known mm-hmm. as aliens, with whom the American military one. has been in trouble with due to destroying ET spacecraft in order to, to steal technology. And we've, we've discussed this on our show multiple times on the exopolitical situation here on this planet. AlphaCom was also responsible for collecting all information about different EBE species present on Earth and in the universe. AlphaCom had also been tasked with engineering exotic technologies recovered from the Roswell incident in 47. He um, was like any other civil engineer work on these projects, closely supervised by the military um, and paramilitaries hired by the cabal, which reportedly, ex- um, which reported exclu- exclusively to the president. He had an encrypted telephone line in his home, which was to remain free at all times in direct communication with the Oval Office. The, and of course, he died in 2000, so this would have been uh, the Clinton presidency and maybe the Bushes, and I don't know how far back we're going to go here, maybe, maybe even Reagan. The MJ-12 AlphaCom group had already tried it, was in the process of disclosing the truth to the public, but certain, um, I guess they had their hands held behind their back with, um, uh, I guess, the f- first time they were trying to do this was during the, the Reagan administration with Michelle Gorbachev and the UN director, they were intimidated the same day when they gathered in New York to prepare an announcement to the world. So, um, Wolf has been regarded by his peers, peers, sorry, as a successful president and a scientific genius. It should be also noted that he was genetically modified human by the EBE species called the Nordic from Altar Aquila, which is much more advanced technology than ourselves as well as, of course, in the Greys. Oh, okay. Wait a um, different EBEs, including, I guess he was working with, are the Alliance, which is a humanoid collective affiliated with a larger collective known as the Corporate, and a group of EBE species of reptilians called the Greys. I thought, I didn't think Greys were reptilians. I don't know. <laughs> maybe the, the translation is biased. Could, may, may have been a little bit better. I don't, I'm not quite sure on that one. But the Nordics are in contact with EBEs of species belonging to the Federation of Worlds, FOW, or the Federation of the Andromedans. And while the reptilian collectives and greys have pledged allegiance to a con- conglomerate called the Unified Races of Orion and known as the Draconian Empire, Majestic 12 has been and is in contact with representatives of these three major confederations. Okay, I'm, I'm <laughs> just, just a little bit more in this bio. Everybody, stay put here. Hopefully, you're not. Don't, um, this is this important information to know here. Wolf has been in contact with the uh, Greys um, throughout his work, working with humans it. and exotic technologies. Again, with Roswell, as well as Greys with Zeta Reticuli, in which he knew, became close friends with Colta, um, and that can be seen in the book on his book, Catchers of Heaven. You know, I should probably pull that up in just a bit. I'll show you that. Um, and his books on yeah, Amazon, I was going to get it years ago, and that was like $400 because it's out of print. But um, I do actually have a, a PDF copy of it, somebody um, who did have a book. Anyway, the point is, uh, um, we'll, we can discuss, anyway, we'll discuss a little bit more about his book in just a bit. Um, his book collabora- collaborated his confessions, his deathbed confessions, um, about his the ET relationships here on planet Earth as well as um, information about the United States being in possession of anti-gravity and 
zero-point energy. This free energy technology present everywhere in the universe is infinite, and once revealed, will allow the world to move from its current military development to civilian development and to travel beyond the speed of light and give uh, humans, or <laughs> here on planet Earth anyway, uh, access to interplanetary travel and possibly conquest of space. So, um, and of course, clean up poverty, you know, clean up the planet and poverty and create jobs, so on. Um, so the cabal does not want to release this tech because it will lose their power control. We know that. And according to um, Wolf, the only technologies developed to date from these contacts, at least to the public, are cloning, microprocessors, fiber optics, Kevlar, portable scanners, and, of course, SDI, the Star Wars Initiative, Strategic Defensive, Defensive Initiative. The community, UFO community uh, first became aware of Dr. Michael Wolf in July '96. Uh, with his book Catchers of Heaven and then um, of course that, that book was about took 15 years to make because he was waiting to get permission to, to release it and then he uh, died of cancer in um, September of 2000 so uh, without further ado welcome everybody here and uh, maybe uh, David um, was there anything I should add to that <laughs> I can't imagine Okay, and audience members, if you have any questions, uh, go ahead for, for Dr. Uh, Michael Wolf. Once we bring him in, go ahead and put it in there. We'll, we'll try to get to it all here because uh, I, I do, I do want to res be respectful to David because I, I told him we're, we're only going to be doing this for maybe an hour, um, but uh, maybe I can try to get him up to an hour and a half. I don't know if I'm going to torture him too much because I think it d does take a lot out of you to channel, right? It's just my if I if he doesn't have permission to move, then my body gets really stiff while I'm channeling because he can't move my body. So, you know, we normally make micro adjustments all the time to become more comfortable when I'm channeling. I think so. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll try to limit this maybe to hour fifteen minutes. So, um, what what are we? What's the next step in all this? Is, is there any? How about you, David? Did you was there anything in particular that you wanted? Any questions? Dr. Wolf, uh, I guess he's spiraling. Do you want me to ask on oh, your behalf? Oh. Honestly, okay. I have no questions. Um, I just know that he's a good soul. Um, when I connected to his energy initially, he was very vibrant, and I can tell he's very intelligent, very on cue, and starting to come through now. So. I just want to tell the audience a little bit about channeling. So I can change my vibrational frequency to match that of his soul. And what that does is allows me to channel his vibrate, his essence, if you want to call it that, his soul. Um, now, he had a heads up in advance, Michael Wolf, uh, that I was interested in channeling him. So he was kind of in the background just waiting on standby mode, essentially, to come forward at this moment. So he is very excited to come in, and he says there's lots of stuff to talk about. Um, I actually, personally myself, don't know anything about him besides what James just said. Um, and so I did everything I can to keep the channeling as pure as possible. Uh, just like I didn't know anything about Elena's uh, person that I channeled as well. So this is all new to me. So I'm excited to get going, and if there aren't any questions, I can get to a state where I can channel him. 
and we can get started with your questions, James. Excellent. Go ahead. Let's let's go ahead and get started. Thank you, David. All right. Perfect. Go for it, David. Looks like somebody punched me in the eye. That's what happened. Family fights, you know. Ah, uh, one moment, please. Oh, this is great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, the pleasure is ours. Thank you, uh, Dr. Wolf, for joining us. Um, you're you're quite uh, famous here in the UFO circles, and it's and, and it actually it, it makes brings us a lot of sadness that you're not here, considering how brilliant you are. Not brilliant compared to some of the people you're not able to see or hear about. Yeah, understood. Um, so uh, first of all, thank you for joining us, and um, I guess we'll go ahead and get 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 um, going here on the questions. Uh, how about uh, could you could you comment about where you are right now? Right now, I am in many places at the same time. Uh, human understanding of particle physics and the quantum theory is very limited, unfortunately. Uh, if I was to come back right now, uh, I would love to share so much information with you guys. Uh, there's just so many great things to learn and understand about the science uh, that exists of the universe. and. Really, if we understood anything about planetary uh, physics, it is quite different than universal physics. So it's important to say that, first Excellent. Uh, so going into my questions here, um, were you aware of a secret space program during your time here on planet Earth? Yes, of course. Uh, there are many programs that I moved in and out of throughout my progression, throughout my uh, my development as far as my rank went. Um, so because of that, I was running into these groups all the time. And sometimes I'd jump onto particular uh, crews, missions, and things of this nature because I was important to uh, do a particular task on the craft or whatnot. Certainly, yeah. I know that was more of a general question, but we can, we can go to more specifics later on. Um, but I, I wanted to go to um, AlphaCom. Um, could you possibly give us a brief history of AlphaCom? Because, um, like for instance, uh, who was instrumental behind its creation, and um, are they even still around today? And maybe if you had a message for them, um, perhaps they might listen to this video. Well, that would be very interesting because I have a lot of friends in these groups. Um, a lot of people I have had long relationships with as well. So AlphaCom was initially established in 1954. Um, there are branches in time that where it was created earlier. Um, so just to wrap your mind around it, we'll say 19. 54 to get a linear perspective on the, on the matter at hand. Now with that in mind, um, you want names of people that uh, we don't want to get anybody in trouble at this time. Uh, we know that it's cool to give names out. It's really, it's a rad thing. Um, and we want to help as best as we can. But we know that there's limitations to what we can actually do without getting people in trouble. Um, and with 
the respect of that, we want to uh, keep the names to a minimum if possible. But if you have any other questions, we'll definitely address them. Uh, well, if we could start with President Eisenhower. Was he was he involved and is instrumental in his creation? <laughs> instrumental, I wouldn't say so. He had a part in the partaking of uh, policies uh, and red tape that we had to go through in order to commence with the project. Now, there are many people that were much more instrumental than him uh, in order to do this task. Uh, and that would be the scientists, the physicists, my friends, my close comrades. Uh, there are many others, of course. And there was also military-backed as well. So there are many different components that came together to create this project. And because of that, uh, there are many people that have that you could thank uh, to bring this thing all together. Was MJ-12 created due to a concern of the NAZI takeover of the MEIC, in particular the, uh, the flyover by all the, the NAZI aircrafts over Washington, D.C.? which were buzzing from Antarctica. Well, if you imagine a child with a toy, uh, he's going to want to keep that toy if he's the only one with it. Now, if another child, say in a preschool or something like that, um, sees that toy, he might want to take it. Uh, and if he can't take it, then he'll make one of his own or he'll get his mom to buy it or something like that. So... In the same way, they had more advanced tech than we did. And uh, we wanted to really come forward uh, in our understanding of this technology because as physicists, you have to understand this is the greatest thing that we could have ever imagined in our whole lives. And to embrace something of this level of technology, uh, we had to totally change our understanding in order to even comprehend the technologies that uh, synergize together to work to create a common goal, which was the anti-gravitational craft at the time. So we, uh, we came together, we created our own craft, and that was just the beginning. Question from the audience member. What do you know about Sesh Haru's handprint book and what do you know about the airships of 1850 to 1890? We can maybe just start with Sesh Haru's handprint book. Sure, yeah. Um, this book was created by someone who was definitely um, very close to non-terrestrials. Uh, the book was essentially an automatic written uh, specimen uh, where someone would have channeled information into this book now, the book contained a lot of wonderful things, uh, a lot of what we would call them secrets because the information that came from the book would be automatically classified as a, at least top secret to a high degree. Now, the book contained information that we were able to uh, extract to take information from, and uh, we used that in a couple of our uh, projects that we created. So. Uh, we have this book to thank for several things that we worked with. Excellent, thank you. Um, what do you know about the airships of 1850 to 1890? That's from the Sonora on Sonoran Aerospace Club. 
in Southern California. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're just trying to get doing? a lock on time that you're referring to because um, all species have craft, uh, and especially during any time. Uh, it's only the humans that didn't really have craft at that time. So we don't know which craft you're talking about. It's not a very specific question. All right. Uh, yeah, well, well, we can just move on because I, I got so many more questions. Okay, um, during your time at NJ12, uh, did they reveal to you a timeline, a future disclosure process, at least? Uh, I know you said between 2000 and 2005, a lot of disclosure was supposed to take place, but here we are in 2020, and it really still hasn't happened on a public, you know, the government's anyway, amending to it. Yeah. So, what are, what are your what are your projections now? Well, there was a lot of plans for people on deathbed to do their confessions. Um, unfortunately, since the blackmail protocol of the government has limited many of these people from actually speaking of their deathbed confessions, still to be complications and things that will happen with their family. Now, uh, there are only a few excuses a few brave people that have been able to come out with their secrets, like McDonald, uh, McElroy, I apologize, her name is uh, Matilda McElroy. Now, she also did a death, deathbed confession similar to the magnitude uh, that we wanted to have to come out from the 2000 time. Now, unfortunately, like we said, Many people were so afraid for their families, not for themselves. They cared about their families and um, they knew the cruelty of the groups that they're working with and the potential that they could just potentially kill their entire family lineage. Uh, So because that, that was pushed back. Now we're dealing with a new time. Uh, Things are changing. People that were in power at the time have shifted to other places. And because of that, the, the ground is softening and we're saying that because it's not soft yet um, but there are people that are coming out they're becoming braver and braver and because of people like Matilda uh, they were able to uh, establish a foothold and say well she did it why can't I so uh, regarding your timeline yeah time could be a confusing thing and once you're deceased even well it makes sense but it takes some time to get there and once you're there it's too late so you can't usually bring that time back and understand back unless you're doing something like this so can you confirm that uh, the secret projects had access to time travel technology yeah i can confirm that and uh, go go ahead go ahead you apologize uh, would they use that time travel technology to go back and uh, stop whistleblowers and, and people who are about to disclose? A lot of the time travel that I was aware of was used to catch ships before they actually landed on Earth. Now, there was a lot of space pirates, if you want to call them that, that came down to the planet just to steal species of flora. Now, um, there were less species that were interested in the, the fauna because uh, a lot of times uh, 
there's a lot more work that has to be done on a craft to be able to maintain the life support of a physical uh, living creature, rather, and especially if they want it to be able to reproduce due to radiation, due to pressures, and vibrational compatibilities as well. So most often, the space pirates, if you want to call them that, they would come down and steal plant species. So uh, they had bio-containment units that were on the craft that were able to sustain the life for a prolonged period until they reached their destination, which would be a lab wherever they're located at. Now, uh, with this in mind, this is primarily my understanding of what they use the time travel for. It would intercept the, the timeline where the craft is going to land, uh, when it is going to land, and then they would be there using telemetry and things of that nature uh, to intercept the craft, catch the, the inhabitants, remove them, and, you know, do their thing. So. Yeah, and that that ties into um, another question I had here about how the Cabal were violating their agreements with the EBEs because for a time period the Cabal was attacking the ETs and trying to steal their technology and uh, they were initially uh, the, the agreements were um, were asking for cooperation and collaboration so how did how did how did it actually de-escalate can maybe you can give us a little idea of what the Cabal was doing on the violation part the thing is, uh, with these people, they'll do anything that they can to get whatever they can. Um, there are rules. Uh, we got something in our eye, just a sec. Yeah, sorry about that. Now, these people will do whatever they can uh, to anybody they can to get whatever they can. And because of that, um, there were additional galactic protocols that had to be portrayed over what was already existing. Now, the Cabal knows about these protocols. They know about the regulations. They know about the rules. Uh, but they don't choose to uh, follow them. Now, they do whatever they can, like you said, to get the technologies that they're not allowed to have. That's their agenda, essentially. Now, because of that, they have... They keep getting slapped on the wrist beings that are working with them are too kind. They understand that we're babies reaching for another baby's rattle and that the rattle won't do them any harm. We're talking about these other groups. Um, but to the baby, the rattle is a tool. It is a, a weapon. It is a sound maker. It's a way to have fun. So that's what these technologies are to the ball. Uh, but compared to the non-terrestrial species that are having them, uh, they don't really mind that much. But the humans keep breaking the rules. It's the important thing. And they're not allowed to. So that's slowing down the progression of our ability to move outwards into space legally, we'll say. All right. Thank you. So this next question, um, part of it was information was relayed to me. I don't um, I Unfortunately, I didn't save the notes and I didn't memorize the exact details, but it relates to a 70-year treaty with the extraterrestrials uh, signed in roughly around 1951, which is supposed to end around August of 2021 that basically dictated E.T. would not make direct contact with the, um, the world population 
Instead, they would work directly with the cabal, giving them technology, which they would release to the public in a slow manner. That way, the population would be slowly groomed to be ready for first contact. However, the cabal violated their agreements many times, stealing technologies from the extraterrestrials instead. But the ETs had more honor and continued to honor their agreement. So can you confirm that a treaty like this was actually signed? And is it going to end in August of 2021? Uh, that treaty has been amended many times and um, for a very good reason. As you should know, you should never have all your eggs in one basket. Um, because of the, we'll say, polarity for this reason, of the cabal, the understanding that they're like a child, they're like a baby uh, that wants a new rattle. They always want that new rattle. Um, they must have a pile of rattles right now. Um, so the policies had to be amended. That was because uh, we, we say we, because we're working with other groups right now. But... Uh, the groups that are babysitting us, we'll say, they have been using other methods of communication to help with disclosure at this time. Now, we say this because we're referring to channels, we're referring to mediums, we're referring to uh, light language speakers and things of this nature, telepaths. These people, excuse me, these people are bringing forward information uh, that should have to go through the cabal, uh, but the cabal is not mature enough. They're still children, so um, sometimes the information has to be passed through a more mature conduit in order for it to come forward. Well, can you confirm that the treaty is going to end in August of 2021? Yeah, as we stated, uh, the treaty was amended several times. So it's probably more likely to be 2034 or something this nature. Oh, okay. Uh, so, all right, well, I'll just, okay. Uh, so, so your next question would be, um, what, what is the National Security Council's Special Studies Group? Uh, National Security Council Special Study Group. Uh, just a moment yeah. uh, we have worked here briefly it's like um, this room is something of a library um, there's many people that go here for information that can be it's like a very secure library essentially now a lot of information in this library partakes to um particle physics um, there are section, wonderful sections on uh, physics and telemetry all the things you need to know to build a spaceship essentially now there's a lot of information that's been compiled over the years from stolen craft from hacking into the consciousness matrix of craft and downloading the schematics and the technical um, jargon we'll call it uh, of ships and it's been put in this particular place. Now, with the understanding that this information exists, uh, you need a high level of clearance, obviously, to be able to access this. But I have been here, and um, the information has been to me in my development of the particular craft that we were working on. So, 
is that the same as the uh, Jason Jason Society or Jason Group? You know, we have many names of different groups, so um, yeah, we kind of picked. So the Jason Group, we had different affiliations. We're just trying to describe this to you here. Now, people that worked on spaceships, they could be called Jason. People that worked on living beings that were non-terrestrial in nature, they could be called Sam or Samwell. People that worked on um, laser technologies, they could be called um, Jessica, for example. These are all for example names now. Um, so it depends which group you work with that gives your affiliated name. And you, you can confirm that you are one of the 32 members of the uh, Jason Society? I can confirm that. Okay. Yeah. Um, it seems like a lot of the other members are a bunch of um, really bad bad people, or maybe that sense changed, <laughs> hopefully. It's a mixed bag, it really is, because uh, many people have different agendas in these programs. And now that I can see from my perspective, from where I am, uh, there's a lot of higher-ups, I'll just say it. Um, there are galactics that are taking over bodies of humans uh, to do things within the projects. Now, if you want to call it possession, it's not quite a possession, but it's, um, it is a control over the being temporarily to perform a function until their mission and objective is done. Now, through this method, they're able to extract information and do particular things that serve their agenda. So the people in these projects, they're not all good-natured, and the ones that aren't good-natured are easier to grab a hold of with these, uh, these beings. We don't want to give them a particular uh, credit because they come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, as the more sensitive the information is, the more appealing it is to groups that they want this kind of stuff. So, yeah, that, we hope that addresses your question. Yeah, well, maybe we can bring you back in again because there's a lot of questions we can certainly go down in Jason and MJ12, which I, I really don't want to touch into right now, but I, I want to say thank you for answering that. Um, moving on to, yeah, thank you. Moving on to the next question, uh, what can you tell us about the chemtrail agenda? Actually, the chemtrails were created a long time ago. Um, 1955 to 1960, there was a program created to start this program. Now, it was a depopulate, depopulate, we're searching for a term, sorry. Depopulant, we'll call it. It was a pro designed to reduce breeding reproductive rates of humans. Um, there are a lot of things in the human body that can be affected by subtle things. Uh, we are amazing, amazing creatures that work in a quantum way. Uh, well, our physical body works in a linear way, um, but our soul works in a quantum way. And uh, because of that, there are things that it can interfere with certain systems within our body. Now, the interference that comes into play 
uh, affects the reproductive system several generations down the line. And you won't initially notice anything. Some sensitive individuals may notice some brain fog. Um, they may notice some um, distortion of their thoughts uh, to a subtle means. Uh, but it's not a mind control thing uh, like that. Uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, well, and, and uh, we've, I have another guest on my show that's gone more into the mix of, of compounds and chemicals in the chemtrails itself. Uh, unless, if, if you have anything you want to add to that, if you have any knowledge of what they're actually putting in there, it'd just be nice. It'd be good to get your, your point of view on that. We'll say that barium is not good for the human body. I think that, um, so we can get into this if you like, but, um, yeah, okay. We'll say barium. Now, each element that's in the chemtrail, I want to call it that, it's really more of a conglomeration, conglomerate of chemicals slash minerals slash um, protons and electrons. Now, as it is combined together in this state, it's like a quantum slurry. It changes the energies that are projected down from these clouds. There's a lot to talk about with this subject, so we apologize. But anyway, each one of these minerals take part in a different element. Some take part in holding it together as a quantum field. Some take part in its effect on the human body. Some take part in uh, its ability to draw from its uh, current location. And I know there's gravity, obviously. Uh, but we want it to drop faster. Well, that was the goal at the time. Um, because it can just be carried by the wind often enough and it won't reach its particular mark, which most often is densely populated cities and things of this nature. So anyway, we hope this answers some of your questions. Yeah, thank you. Uh, all right. Well, we, we, can, we can save some of that for later on because um, I, I wanted to actually go more into the super soldier alignment project projects and that's half my questions are related to that. So let me go ahead and start diving into that at this moment. Yeah. Um, let's start with the first question. Uh, I, I know you've already answered it in, in one way or the other, at least when you were alive, but just, just to go ahead and confirm, uh, did you work at Area 50, 51 or S4? Uh, we worked at Area 51 and 52. Okay. And um, what were your job duties and what was your life like during that time? Well, hold on, let me just adjust it here. There was many things that I had to do, and you can imagine a life living underground for a long time. It can get really uncomfortable. Uh, humans require sunlight, and without sunlight, certain things don't function right. You get depressed. There are things in the body that don't operate at a proper level because of that. Um, I was unfortunately affected by that for a long period of time and it was affecting my work. Um, now, I had my quarters. It was a small steel box, essentially. Don't think too small. Uh, not that small. 
it wasn't literally I was sleeping in the cage, but it was a it was a nice room, approximately twenty by twenty feet, uh, and uh, yes, these were my living quarters. Now we apologize because we kind of missed the question here because I got sidetracked. But can you repeat it? Yeah, well, well, we I was just wondering what life was like and what what, what your job and duty was during your time there. Um, I suppose I mean I guess. I looked at all your your um, academic um, accolades here, so I'm, I'm assuming it was in line with that. Um, but maybe, yeah, if you want to elaborate on that, feel free. Sure. Uh, well, we'll just talk a little bit about the base because I know there's a lot of people that are curious about that. Now, once I left my room, there was a line. There's a series. There's always lines on these floors, okay? And each line is a particular designation for what it is that you do. Now, as long as you follow your line and you have your tag, uh, which is color coordinated to your line, as long as you're on your line, you're good. Uh, but if you go off your line, there's a beeper that starts to go off and you can get into a lot of trouble if you're too far off your line. So primarily to my job was, well, I live, sleep in my quarters. Uh, and when I was working, I would work in my so workspace. Know what other so doing. it wasn't that far from my living quarters, as most of the scientists that were working on the same particular project, uh, where our rooms were all right next to each other. So we were able to uh, work with each other, talk after work, and things like that. So there was um, the ability to have friends, which was cool, um, but it wasn't a lot of fun things to do. Um, there was some holographic tech that we were able to use, uh, which was very exciting. Um, but for the most part, like I said, the sun is the thing we miss the most. So. They, they wouldn't even let you go outside and spend a couple hours? You, you, you were basically held hostage? You don't want to call it hostage, but it's pretty close to that. It's like, you can do whatever you want while you're in this cage. But you're still on cage. You couldn't go a secret trip to um, to, to Vegas on the, the the airline there, Janet Janet Earl, Janet. Janet? No. Oh, okay. Not us. There are other people with different classifications and different. Uh, what's the term we're searching? Clearance. Clearances. Yeah. Uh, well, could you comment about your your relationship with um, was it Colta? Because apparently he got shot because he stepped over one of those lines. Why don't you tell us that story? Very well. Uh, he was a friend of mine, good friend. We've known each other for several years. And, um, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. He, he's a curious guy. Scientists are curious people. We need to learn new things. We need to discover. We need to create. And if we get bored... We need to explore. It's just the way that we work. Now, because of that, he was very curious about this place. Um, I don't know exactly where he was going, but he had mentioned that he was, I don't want to say going offline, because that sounds uh, very ironic. But he was going off the beaten path, we'll say. And his curiosity got the best of him, unfortunately. Uh, the guards that are at Area 51 and 52, even by extension, 
they're not nice people. They're people that are, they have one job, that is, if you're offline, then you don't matter, essentially. Now, the scientists are some of the people that are cherished. Um, they get a couple warnings before they're able to, not able to, before they're harmed. Now, they're treated very aggressively if they're still found off of the line. Uh, but if they are offline anyway, you know what happens. You can get killed. So, he was on his journey through curiosity, and he got killed. It's unfortunate. And uh, so, um, apparently, they shot him with uh, some kind of bullets that had lead in it, and then uh, he did some something to help out? Or is that not what happened? Well, we do everything we can to help our kin, our brothers, our friends. Uh, now, it didn't matter if it was him or somebody else. I would have done everything I could to help him. Now, unfortunately, he had several slugs that were in his chest uh, through the back. And, yeah, there's a lot of toxic chemicals, components, and lead uh, that leach into the bloodstream. And as they do that, it's going to affect the nervous system. And unfortunately, the shots that were sent were a bit too close to the spine. And um, it caused paralysis in the body, which paralyzed the lower half of the body. And he was not able to uh, function properly. So. So why didn't they use a regeneration tank to bring them back unless they didn't want to? The thing is, these people, they have great ability to do wonderful things, but they choose not to. That's one of the reasons why I'm here. Um, there's information that has to come forward, and they have the information, but they won't give it up. Now, they have regen tanks. Yeah, you're absolutely correct but they won't use them to people that aren't loyal to what's happening. Say if I jam my finger in a door and my finger came off, they'd help me as long as I was going with the flow, going with their rules. Um, but if I keep breaking the rules, the rules change, and they won't work with me anymore. So this is what happened. Yeah, that was the line of my next question about um, Area 51. Apparently... Um, it's being run by Project Paperclip, Third Reich, NAZIs, some of which are now 120 to 140 years old. Can you confirm that this, this facility is basically run by these individuals? Now, a lot of my work, I, I wouldn't know the upper politics of Area 51. Um, like I said, I was essentially a, a prisoner inside of this base. Uh, for several years at a time. And um, because of that, I wasn't able to go off my line. It was, um, it's kind of like forced labor to a, for a brilliant mind. It's essentially a waste because we're so curious, we want to explore and understand things as they are. And we're not allowed to understand some people, they become suicidal actually. Um, so, that's why the hologram technology was so beneficial to us. It allowed us to see our families. It allowed us to reconnect with friends, even though it's just through simulation. Uh, it still helps a lot. So regarding 
uh, who was running the top uh, end of Area 51. That's beyond my understanding. But I can tell you that there are a lot of people on that base uh, that aren't quite right. And I'll say that because you look at them like they look like normal people. They walk rather normal, uh, a little bit different perhaps. But they're just different. If you talk to them, their minds are completely different. And I don't know if it's because they have other consciousness that's not human, or perhaps they're non-terrestrials, or they're perhaps some being that's been alive for that long that they've just disassociated from life. So, so, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, okay, understand. All right, so the next one is more of a comment that you made about Area 51, and um, just um, briefly. I think they are buffering again. Here, uh, you said Area 51 is a sprawling city the size of Rhode Island, which continues to grow and has a sister base called S4, some 12 miles away, and another named Indian Springs. It employs hundreds of civilian and military and has at least eight different ongoing black projects with an annual budget of $2 billion. There's an, of course, this is back in two, prior to 2000, so um, there's an intense security outside with martial law inside and is patrolled by elite guards. Some scientists live at the base for six months at a time while their bedrooms are basic the ets live in their own magnificently designed apartments there are also shopping mars i'm sorry shopping malls military style shops and leisure areas including swimming pools gymnasiums and basketball courts the food is also excellent uh, so i was just curious um do you have can you give us an idea of what the current population of that whole facility that the basically the size of rhode island how many people are down there it's like that's a difficult question to answer uh, because if you just put yourself into this use your imagination for a moment imagine you're inside of an ambulance and all you, you're in one room you can only see the pathway in and the pathway out you can't see the rest of the matrix of tunnels that exists within the within the, uh, the nets so there are many branches off many tunnels in this regard and there's many secret groups that are black operative we'll say now because of this a lot of these people go unknown um so there is way more than i could ever imagine uh, but i would say there's at least um at the base that i was working at there's at least 100 100,000 people now, we understand that number is fairly high. It may seem like a lot of people, but because we work quite closely together, because, well, there's, there is limited space, although we are digging downwards, and it continues to grow like uh, like one of those honey stir sticks. You can imagine that. You have the long shaft of the handle. Uh, that would represent an elevator, perhaps. And then at the top of the honey stir stick, you have uh, a small platform and then an increasingly larger platform and then an increasingly larger platform again. So each one of these platforms represents a level that exists in the Area 51. And um, because of these platforms, 
you can totally isolate layers of people. Now, in order to get down to lower levels of classification, uh, clearance, we'll say, you have to have your clearance to get there. And that's where you get to the more sensitive information at the bottom. Understood. Thank you very much. Do you have any information on how many levels deep it is now? Um, maybe how deep does it actually go down into the earth? Now, I have worked with some really sensitive information. I've worked with some non-terrestrials. I've worked with some time-bending shit, I'll call it. And I wasn't at the bottom. So I don't know what's at the very bottom. Uh, but I know that I was down here. I was. I did some work on seventeenth layer, and eighteenth, nineteenth, and some on the twenty fourth layer. Okay. But there are other layers, and it almost seems like people that reach the bottom, either they're aliens, or we shouldn't use that word. Either they're a non-terrestrial species or some exotic race or hybrid human uh, mixed race with non-terrestrial genetics, we'll say, uh, that reached the bottom bottom. Now, there's a tram system that runs at the bottom bottom, uh, and it connects to some other bases. Um, but the bottom layer before the tram system, that's the that's where the queen bee is, you know what I mean. That is where the juiciest of information goes my understanding that's what we always said at base anyway do you have any information on how fast those trains travel in the uh the dumb systems well they move incredibly fast some of them move uh they have different models so some of them move faster than others but a thousand miles per hour would be um what's the term we're searching for average standard uh, that's not the term, but that, that's okay. Maximum. Um, there's ones that go a lot faster than that. We have tunnels that go 3,000. Now, it's a vacuum-sealed tunnel, and it's like shooting a ball through a straw with a spitball, for example. Um, there's a vacuum seal that goes around it, and it allows it to move without friction. So because of that, the system can move quite quickly and with little resist, little to no resistance besides air pressure resistance, which is removed uh, because it's in vacuum. So um, there is some air still in the system, uh, so that does create some resistance, but for the most part, it's pretty smooth ride. Excellent. And uh, I'm, ass- I'm assuming you've been on in, the, in that, yeah? Yes. And also, can you confirm, is there a jump room in uh, Area 51 connected to other jump rooms around the planet, even Mars? Now, there are a bunch of places that you can jump. Uh, I didn't really get into that, but I have talked to people in cafeteria about stuff like this. Um, My curiosity can get the best of me as well. Um, Now, there are other people that work in these it's like a, a field, essentially. Um, like I said, we had our group, they're working their group, and their work is with regarding portals, wormholes, um, vibrational oscillation. 
which is the understanding of changing one's frequency to match that of the portal. This is a science that we have. And um, once you match the vibrational frequency of the portal, then you're able to move through it. Or wormhole, or stargate, whatever you wish. So I can't personally talk about this technology because I don't know much about it. Um, that's really not my speciality. But I know there is, they exist. Well, can you confirm if you actually went through those jump rooms? Uh, I got close to a portal once, and I can just describe to you if you want to hear about it. Sure. Now, when you get close to these portals, your body begins to change, and it's almost like the hair on your arm sticks up. Now, it depends how close you are. It depends how big the portal is as well. Um, but as you get closer, approximately 15 feet away, some of the larger portals, you can start to feel the energy of it. And your mind starts to go to different places when you're around them. Um, so it's important that you, you have good fortitude, we'll say mental fortitude, um, because if you're in this field for too long, you can, you'll have to go to med bay. So you want to get in the portal and get out. That's the goal. Because the, the energy around the portal, this quantum field, is in flux all the time. And depending on where it's going, it can uh, cause massive fluctuations in your natural work field. Now, because of these natural fluctuations, um, it distorts you in different ways. And there are people that are designed to restore people back to their original state. Um, but you don't want to be there. When you travel through a portal, do you physically die and then on the other side reanimate? No, that's not true. Okay, thank you. Um, and okay, well, all right. So I guess the next question would be: Did you know David at Area Fifty One? Because apparently David uh, spent some time there. I didn't know him. Now I've heard of these kids that work on Area Fifty One. They have crazy abilities. Um, I've seen aliens, I've seen non-terrestrial species, as, as we should say. Um, some of these kids were hanging out with these guys all the time. Um, but I didn't directly know him on base. Uh, but there were several children from the ages of five. Yeah, they go that young. It sounds stupid, and it is. Um, but from about five years old all the way up to 16, and I say children because there's obviously adults uh, with great abilities too, but it seems like uh, they really hit their strides psychically when they're younger. Uh, for whatever reason, you just tend to lose your abilities that kind of peter off as you age. So they get them when they're young and they have no limitations and uh, they're able to pretty much do anything some of these kids. So yeah, I didn't personally know him. Understood. Thank you. All right. So uh, the next one is actually I'm I'm gonna comment a little bit about your in, from your book. You mentioned um, you were doing research in human cloning that was being perverted by the cabal to create a superhuman su super soldier who would, under mental programming, mindlessly follow immoral orders. For example, in Project Sentinel, 
you helped create a clone which would replace U.S. Marine grunts with a human robot counterpart known as J-Typing Omega-E-Delta-2, or Joey for short. Joey spent 